everyone. Happy Sabbath once again. This morning, we are going to be talking about plugging in. How many of you have computers at home? How many of those computers are desktop computers? Okay. What happens when you unplug your computer, but you want it to still work? What happens if you were to unplug it? What would it do? Can you hear me now? Okay. <laughs> Sorry about that. Okay. Second uh, Timothy chapter three, verses one through five. Okay. It says, "This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come." Are we not living in the last days? Does everyone agree? Okay. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, 
high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. From such, turn away. This is quite a description, don't you think? It's a description of a people that have a form of godliness, but they're lacking the power of godliness. Is that what it said, lacking? Are they just lacking the power? What, is, what does the word say? Denying. denying, right. They're not just lacking this power, they're actually denying the power of godliness. Another word for deny is to reject. So they're rejecting this power. Based on my personal experience, which I'm going to get to here shortly, um, I believe this description is a description of a people who are claiming to be Christian, but who are actually living merely an outward form of Christianity instead of living a truly converted from the heart Christian life. While on the outside they may look like they may look and act like a Christian, within their hearts they're truly selfish, covetous, boasters, proud, slanderers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, hard-hearted, the list goes on. We just read it. God says that the power source for true godliness, true Christianity, is being denied or rejected by the very people claiming to be godly or to be Christian. So what is this power that they're rejecting? I'd like to share with you a little bit of my testimony um, before we answer that question, I think it will help um, shed some light on the subject. The day that I accepted Christ um, is a day that I will never forget. Uh, it was in April of 2006. I actually had the most power-filled experience I think I've ever had. The power I experienced came through uh, the minister's lips by the Holy Spirit and, and convicted my heart. Um, I didn't know what was going on, but I sensed that God was speaking to me. I sensed that the Lord knew what was in my heart, knew that I was tired of living the life I was living, um, knew that I wanted something better. He was speaking to me. And so as the, the minister made the, the appeal, you know, not really knowing what I was getting myself into. I accepted, I, I got up, I went to the front, trembling and overflowing with emotion. I was extremely uncomfortable in this new environment around these Christians that I didn't relate to in any way, um, but I did feel truly and fully known and fully loved by our Savior that morning. And that is, that's why it was such a powerful experience, I know. Um, unfortunately, though, the power that I experienced that morning didn't last very long. In fact, immediately after the worship service, I went right back to my old life. I was smoking, drinking, doing drugs. Um, I was even in an emotionally abusive relationship. And I just kept living my life, actually, for about a year and a half after this. Um, I live this selfish life without any power to change. And this is why I'm bringing this up, because it was a, a year and a half after I had accepted Christ, after I had experienced that power that morning, 
but I had no power to change. There was something amiss. There was something not right. Um, during this time, I mentioned this relationship I was in, I, I had tried several times to remove myself from this relationship. Um, I remember the struggle very, very clearly. Some days I would feel very strong and convicted, you know, that I needed to, to leave the relationship because I didn't love him. I knew that I needed to live, leave the relationship. I knew the Lord was convicting me of this. Um, but whenever I purposed to end the relationship, you know, we'd get together, I would speak to him about these things. By the end of the conversation, we were still together. So, obviously, I had no power to get myself out of it, and I could feel the tug of war inside of me, um, the conviction of the Holy Spirit versus my addiction to the relationship, and it was a constant struggle. And I had no power to get out of it. I literally had no power. So why was there no power to change my life? I had accepted Jesus as my savior. I, had, I was interested in getting to know him better. Um, I was going to church. I called myself a Christian. You know, I thought I was doing the right thing. In other words, I had that form of godliness that we just read about. I was living the form of Christianity, but I did not have the power of Christianity. I didn't have the power to be godly. I wasn't I wasn't really converted. I, I see that now. Um, one day recently, a few weeks ago, while I was working on this sermon, I picked up an old journal. And I haven't picked this journal up in a very long time. And when I did, I was very reluctant because I know the dark history that's in this journal. But I was in the middle of working on my sermon, and God just led me to it. And so I picked it up. And in faith, I opened it because I thought, you know, maybe you're trying to reveal something to me that I need for this sermon. Sure enough, <laughs> our God is wonderful. He did reveal something to me um, that I had long since forgotten about this period of my life. Um, my attention was brought to an entry dated in November of 2006, so seven months after I had accepted Christ. Okay, so I was in the midst of this relationship, I was in the midst of living this selfish life, and I want to share with you an excerpt of what I wrote at this time, but I want to warn you, when I read it, it was disturbing to me, so just be aware that it might, um, it might be disturbing to you, but it does drive my point, so I want to share it. Okay, here goes. The concepts in that book talking about a book that I was reading, are the closest to what I truly have always felt and believed about a higher power, God and Jesus. Even humanity, for that matter. As soon as I can, I'm going to dive in, talking about another book that I had re recently ordered. I want to learn more. I want to learn more about myself and my soul, the part of me that is divine. I haven't been going to church lately. It's been a while probably at least two months, but that's okay. I think I've been doing enough exploration into my mind and heart. Although reading the Bible would have probably helped me deal with some issues with a clearer perspective. You can see just how confused I was. I had bought the lie that says that you and I have our own power, 
I had bought the lie that says that you and I are divine. This is the same lie that Satan told Eve in the garden. Remember? Ye shall be as gods. He is still telling it today. And many, like myself in the past, have believed him. The moment I finished reading this journal entry, I knew exactly what God was trying to show me. The reason why I had no power to change my life was because I was denying the power of God from working in my life. I rejected the power of true godliness. I seemed to think that I had power within myself, but I clearly did not. And for that matter, I never will have power within myself to change myself. None of us will. We have to get our power from God. God is giving us freely this power. We, we need to plug into that power. Okay, so what is this power that I was rejecting? Let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18. And the Bible says, For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved it is the power of God. The preaching of the cross is what? The power of God. Indeed. Hallelujah then I had, in fact, experienced God's power in my life on that day in April 2006. When I heard the sermon being preached, God spoke to my heart and called me out of darkness. We've all experienced this power as the Holy Spirit convicts our hearts while we're listening to preaching. But wait a minute. I was going to church. I was listening to a sermon every week. Wasn't that the power enough that I needed to change? Can we simply go to church once a week, hear a sermon, go home, live our lives the rest of the week until the next Sabbath, until the next sermon, and really expect anything to change in our lives? Or in our hearts, for that matter? We all know that preaching only lasts for maybe an hour, and then it's over. What then? Does the power stop when the preaching ends? Yes, at least in my case, it did. But maybe it can last longer. I've had that experience where you hear a very powerful sermon and you're able to meditate on some of the points that were raised during that sermon for a few days. That power kind of sticks with you for a little bit. Eventually, though, we all know that the power of a sermon we hear fades away, right? But wait a minute. We know we need God's power constantly. Much like our desktop computers, they have to be constantly plugged in, right, in order to work, in order to function. Well, based on the single text that we just read, in 1 Corinthians 1, First Corinthians 1, 18, Because we need God's power constantly, if we take this one text, that means we would need to listen 
to sermon after sermon after sermon after sermon after sermon after sermon after sermon constantly in order to continue to get this power, right? If, if we take this one text, does that seem reasonable to you? No. I don't know if it would even be bearable, actually. I think my mind would, would be overwhelmed. Well, when I was new to the Bible and Adventist beliefs, I did learn a great deal by watching sermon after sermon after sermon. I was hungry, praise the Lord. So it, is a, it can be a good thing, um, especially for new Christians. But for Christians who have learned the basics of the foundations of our faith, I don't think that using sermons as the source of power is what God wants for us. Now, there are mature Christians who do this. They listen to sermon after sermon after sermon, waiting for that next powerful truth to blow their mind. And don't get me wrong, God does reveal powerful truths. We know that. We've experienced that ourselves. But if our sermons are the source for God's power, then I believe that we're going to see a lack of something in our spiritual walk with Christ. Why? Because the sermon we're hearing, the sermon we're experiencing, it's actually power that has already been experienced by someone else with God. Okay, so we're not gaining our own powerful experience. We're relying on someone else's powerful experience to give us power. We're not getting to know God for ourselves. And for this reason, I do not believe that the preaching of the cross is the source of God's power. So then what is the source? Where does the source of this power to live truly godly lives come from? Uh, let's go back to the Bible, and instead of just looking at the one text like we just did, I want to take a look at several texts, but we're going to add them to what we just read, because God does want us to study line upon line and precept upon precept. So we're going to add to what we've, uh, what we've just looked at. Let's go to Romans 1.16. Romans chapter 1, verse 16. Romans 1.16 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. The gospel of Christ is the power of God. Make a note of that, because we're going to come back to that in a second. Let's go to now to uh, 1 Peter 1.25. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 25. And 1 Peter 1.25 says, but the word of the Lord endureth forever. And this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. Okay. In Green's interlinear Greek to English Bible, it, the same verse is translated. But the word of the Lord remains forever, and this is the word 
preached as gospel to you. So what is preached? The word of the Lord. The word of the Lord is preached. How is it preached? As gospel or by, gosp by the gospel to you. Well, what is the gospel of Christ we just read in Romans 1.16? The gospel of Christ is the power of God. Therefore, the word of the Lord is preached as the power of God to you. So the preaching is just a way to deliver this power that God is trying to give us. And the power of God is the word of the Lord as it reveals the gospel of Christ. Another couple of texts that show the same thing, though in a slightly different way, are these. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 24. 1 Corinthians 1, 24. And 1 Corinthians 1.24 reads, But unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. So in this text, God is telling us that Christ is the power of God. And we know that Christ is the word, for John tells us in John 1.14, And the word was made flesh, and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Therefore, the source for the power of true godliness is none other than the word of God. God's word is our only source for true godly power. Okay, so, what does this power, what does the word of God do when we plug into it. We're going to get to what plugging into it means in a minute, but what does this power do for us when we plug in? One, it enables us to grow in faith. Romans 10:17 says, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And we should all desire to have more faith, for our faith is counted righteousness. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Number two, this power source, the word of God, again, enables us to attain life and health. Turn with me to Proverbs chapter 4. Proverbs chapter 4. And we're going to look at verses 20 to 22. Proverbs chapter 4, verses 20 to 22. My son, attend to my words. Incline thine ear unto my sayings. Let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thine heart. For they are life unto those that find them, and health to all their flesh. The Hebrew word translated as life implies strength. It is life with movement and vigor. 
The translation for health to all their flesh literally means a medicine or a cure for the whole person, mind, body, and spirit. The third thing that this power source can give us is conviction of sin. The Holy Spirit uses the word of God to convict us of sin, which leads us to repentance. In Hebrews 4, verse 12, God says, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Number four, being plugged into the word of God gives us the ability to know God because it tells us about who he is, and it gives us the ability to gain victory over sin. Go with me to Proverbs chapter 2. Proverbs chapter 2, we're going to read verses 1 to 5. My son, if thou wilt receive my words and hide my commandments with thee, so that thou incline thine ear unto wisdom and apply thine heart to understanding, yea, if thou criest after knowledge and liftest up thy voice for understanding, if thou seekest her as silver, and searchest for her as for hidden treasures, then shalt thou understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. God says if we seek for understanding of his word as we would seek for a hidden treasure, that we would understand the fear of the Lord. What is the fear of the Lord? Go with me to Proverbs 8, 13. Proverbs 8, verse 13. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Pride and arrogancy and the evil way and the froward mouth do I hate. So the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. In other words, the fear of the Lord is to hate sin. Did you catch the sins that he lists here? Pride, arrogancy, a froward mouth. It reminds me of the first text we looked at at the very beginning, 2 Timothy 3, 1 to 5, where God listed a bunch of sins that the, the so-called Christians commit. But wait a minute. Sometimes I know I struggle with these sins. And I'm sure you do too. We're all going through the same struggles. Well, God is telling us here that if we struggle with any of those sins, pride, selfishness, arrogancy, by going to the word of God and digging into it as if we were digging for treasure, that we would understand the hatred for evil. In other words, we would realize a hatred for sin. And tell me if I'm wrong. If we hate sin, would we want to commit sin anymore? No. So that's victory over sin. If we hate sin, that is victory over sin. 
The fifth thing that being plugged into the Word of God does is it changes us for the better. Um, 1 Peter 1.23 says, Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. So we're born again, or we're recreated by the word of God. And when we're born again, born as a new creature by the word of God, we cannot commit sin, because in 1 John 3, 9, God says, Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin. For his seed, or his word, remaineth in him, and he cannot commit sin, because he is born of God. And John 17, 17 tells us that we are sanctified we, we are sanctified by the truth, and thy word is truth. So we are sanctified by the word of God. We are purified, we are made holy by the word of God. Do you want to be purified? Do you want to be made holy? Amen. God's word carries out what it says it will do. And we are all witnesses of that. Are we not? God is changing us. God has been changing us. We would not have any of the victories that we've already had had it not been for the word of God coming into our lives. I know that I would not have had the victories that I had. Victory over the physical addictions like smoking and drugs and drinking, even the relationship. Now are you beginning to see what God was trying to show me by leading me to that journal entry? as disturbing as it was, the reason I had no power to live a godly life back then was because at the time, I wasn't reading the word of God, the source for this power, which I so desperately needed. In fact, I don't even remember picking up my Bible during probably that whole year and a half after I had accepted Christ into my life. So, in fact, I actually was rejecting the word of God. I was rejecting that power of true godliness. I had rejected that power, and I tried looking for power somewhere else. I thought I had power in myself. I thought I could find power in these other books that I was reading. I do praise God and thank God with my whole heart for resorting to drastic measures in my life. He had to resort to drastic measures because I was rejecting his word. Um, he physically moved me out of where I was living, as I've shared with many of you, and he moved me to Hawaii to live with my parents, uh, to be in an environment where I could sit and I could read the word of God. And I tell you, that is when my life started changing. That is really when things started happening for me. But even now, after four years in an active, faith-growing life, there are days when I still feel powerless. Am I the only one? We, we have those days, right? Uh, 
there's days when there's days when I feel like I can't overcome pride. And I can't overcome selfishness. And what about any of those other sins that were described in 2 Timothy 3 that we read earlier? Do you remember some of those? Covetousness, hard-heartedness, gossipers, prideful, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. Is the Holy Spirit convicting you this morning of any of those sins that we read? I know he is of me. God is telling us to turn away from such sins, turn away from the people that are living that life, which is us. We need to turn away from that old man. But we just learned that we need power to do that, right? And that power is the word of God. Some of these sins, though, they feel like they're so ingrained in who we are that it's impossible for us to change. I have days like that. And I look at my life and I say, okay, Lord, you know, you, you helped me overcome the outward sins, the physical sins, but what about these sins that are inside? These ones that, they just, it just feels like that's just who I am. How, it, it's impossible. How, how is this going to work? Why does it feel impossible? Well, because these inward sins, they're parts of our character. And that's why God wants to give us a heart transplant, because he wants to change our characters. And these tend to be the sins, at least for me, that seem to be the most painful (laughs) to overcome, because they are a part of my character. And God is trying to change that character. But praise the Lord, because Jesus tells us that All things are possible to him that believeth. And I want to read also Ezekiel 36, 25 to 27. You can turn with me there if you want. Ezekiel chapter 36, 25 to 27. Ezekiel 36, verse 25. God tells us, each one of us, then I will sprinkle clean water upon you and ye shall be clean. From all your filthiness and from all your idols will I cleanse you. A new heart also will I give you and a new spirit will I put within you. And I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh and I will give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and ye shall keep my judgments, and ye shall do them. He promises that. We have to believe his promise. He has said it. His word accomplishes what it says. So let's stop living this form of godliness. Let's stop denying the power of godliness from rejecting this word, from coming into our lives and working in our hearts. I know I'm tired of feeling powerless on those days where I feel powerless. And I'm sure you are too. Okay, so we're tired of feeling powerless. We know we need to plug in. How do we plug in? Well, 
Um, it can be difficult when you have no desire to plug in. Or we're too busy to plug in. Or maybe, um, like at the beginning of my walk, and even sometimes now in my walk, I don't really know where to begin reading. It's kind of overwhelming. Um, let's take a look at these. Well, let's say we don't have a desire to read the Bible, which, you know, we have sinful hearts. It happens. We don't naturally have a desire to want to read the Bible. Let me suggest that the reason we have no desire to read the Bible is because we don't really know who God is. And if we knew God better, I bet that we would actually want to spend time with him and that we would desire to spend time with him. But how do we get to know God better? We have to plug into the word of God to get to know him. So, okay, let's start with just pray. Pray and ask him to help your sinful heart. Ask him to develop within you a stronger desire. He will do it. He did it for me. He will do it. And by spending more time in God's word, as you have this growing desire, you will get to know him better, and then that desire is going to grow even more. And then you're going to want to spend more time in the word of God, and you're going to be plugged in constantly. Well, maybe we're too busy. Maybe we can't find time with our families, work, you know, things that we're doing in the church, everything. You can add up the list. We're running out of time. There isn't enough time to do everything in the day. Remember that the enemy does not want you to plug in to the power that God is giving us in the word of God, okay? Remember that. And don't forget that, because the enemy knows what changes will take place when you do plug in. He's trying to claim you as his own, and as long as we reject the power of God, we give our allegiance to him. And we don't want to do that, right? I want to offer some ideas to help you make time for the Savior, and these are just some ideas. Um, take it or leave it. But these are some things that, that the Lord has shown me in my own life, and so I want to share them with you. This afternoon, after going home, after potluck, Jesus is going to be calling you to plug into his word, to plug into him. And I know, for myself, especially after a really good potluck, all my brain wants to do is sleep. But perhaps we could exercise more temperance at potluck by eating less, so that when we do get home on Sabbath afternoon, we can spend time, quality time, with our Lord in the Word. And if you're still tired, which it happens, I know, we work all week and we're exhausted. If you're still tired when you get home, go for a quick walk. Get the blood flowing. It, it does work. It's helped me get the blood flowing to your brain and you will be able to focus on the Lord and spend some time with him. In the mornings during the week, before you go to work, um, perhaps instead of waking up just in the nick of time, rushing to get dressed, get the kids out the door, get out the door for work, 
Um, let's try going to bed a little bit earlier if we can. I know it's hard. I'm a night person, so it's very hard for me. But if we get to bed earlier in the morning, in, get to bed earlier at night, then in the morning we can actually wake up a little bit earlier because we've had more sleep. And that will give us a little bit of window opportunity to spend with God and his word. Something that, um, that was really a blessing for me when I was working full-time at the computer store over on Maui, um, on my lunch breaks, while I was eating in the back break room, I would read the Bible. And I didn't really realize what it was doing to me at the time, but I look back now and I'm thinking, wow, you know, that was valuable time. So if you're at work and you have a lunch break where you can sit in a quiet area, I encourage you to read the Bible while you're eating. In the evenings, after dinner, I know this is our downtime. You know, we've had a full day of work, um, taking care of the kids, whatever we may be doing. We just want to veg. We want to turn the TV on or maybe go to the computer. This time, Jesus is whispering for us to come to him. And I know that in the evenings, especially after a hard day, my brain just did not feel like it could function for reading at all. So instead, I would watch TV or get on the computer, listen to music, and I'd be up till midnight, not even realizing it. Just totally plugged into the wrong power source. <laughs> um, think of it this way. Those distractions, the TV, the internet, the music, you know, yes, they, we may think that it's calming us down and, and giving us rest, but really it's a distraction that the enemy is trying to get in our way of us and the word of God. He's totally distracting us. Do you want to let him distract you? If you want this power that can grow you in faith, this power that gives life and health, this power that changes hearts and gives victory over sin, it's a power that sanctifies us. Then we must plug in. We must make the word of God a priority in our life. Well, what if you're like I was, like I had said, and, and you're, not, you're not really sure where to begin reading. You're not sure, I mean, you, you look at this Bible and there's a lot of options here, right? <laughs> it can be very frustrating and, and very overwhelming to not know where to begin. Um, and that frustration and that overwhelming feeling has often actually made me want to just give up and not even go there to just, okay, I'll just watch TV or do something easier for the brain. My first suggestion is pray to God and just tell him, look, Lord, I'm overwhelmed. Where do I begin? He will show you and he will guide you. And whether that's, you know, bringing to your memory a Bible book that you have been curious about or maybe it had been discussed at work or I don't know. He'll bring things to your mind that will lead you to his word when you pray this to him. Or maybe you'll just open the book and he'll guide you as you turn the pages. However he does it, 
he's going to do it. It doesn't matter how, but he will lead you. And speaking again of being overwhelmed, this was a problem that I had. I often thought, you know, I need to, I need to read as much of the Bible as I possibly can because I'm, you know, I felt behind. I felt like I needed to catch up with everybody else. And so I'd be trying to, to digest whole chapters. And we don't have to do that. One verse has enough power to change us. It's God's word. One verse. So don't feel overwhelmed. I know that we're hungry for the word of God. And I want to um, encourage those of us who are especially hungry, who want to plug in desperately. I want to challenge you to try teaching Sabbath school. For me, it is totally, it makes me plug in. Because if I don't plug in, I'm not prepared. Um, it's a blessing. It is such a blessing. I feel like I have grown in, in my knowledge of God and in, in understanding his character so much more just because of the Sabbath school lessons. And maybe God's not convicting you to teach Sabbath school, but I definitely encourage you, especially if you don't know where to begin reading, start with the Sabbath school lesson. Just follow along what we're studying throughout the week. That's a great place to start. God will take it from there. He will lead you. And there is another option for those of us who are serious about plugging into God's word. Um, there is a, a camp that's actually coming up on Oahu in November. And it's called um, Bible Army Camp. Army spell stands for Adventist Revival Movement for the End Time. And this camp is dedicated to seeking to bring about revival. It's going to be five days of intensive Bible study training, prayer, and fellowship. So if you are hungry and if you do want to plug in, that would be a great place to plug in as well. Um, if anything, it's going to help you learn how to study your Bibles better so that on your own time, when you're at home, you can plug in and be confident in plugging in. Today, God is trying to get our attention. God wants us, God wants to give us the power that we need to live every day victorious. We don't need to have these days where we don't feel the power. We can live every day victorious. He wants to give us the power of true godliness, the power to be a true Christian, one who can love as Christ loved, walk as Christ walked, and live as Christ lived, the power to be made perfect in his love, holy and pure in thought and action. This is available to you. And all you have to do, all we have to do is plug in. The question is, do you want to be plugged in? Do you want this power that God is wanting to give to you? Do you want true godliness? Do you want to be able to overcome? Do you want to be victorious? I believe we do. I believe we do. A Christian that truly loves God 
and truly loves others with our whole hearts. Wouldn't that be amazing? I want this. And I know you do. Jesus is calling us to come to the word, to get to know him, to plug into him. But not merely right now at the close of this sermon. Jesus is calling you all week long, as I've already shared some of the ideas that we can do throughout the week. What's going to be holding us back this week from plugging into God's word? Are we going to allow the distractions of the enemy to keep us from plugging in? What's going to hold us back? I want to challenge you today to challenge God on his word. If you desire for God to fill you with the power of his word, then I challenge you to do your part by spending time in his word and by faith challenging God to fulfill his promises in you. Challenge him. He is up for the challenge, believe me. I challenge you to plug into his power source his word for at least a half an hour more than you would normally spend in the word every day this week. That's my challenge. And it can be at any time of the day you want. You know, it doesn't have to be in the morning or at lunch or in the evening. It, whatever works for you. And ask God to show you, you know, where can I fit this into my schedule? And if you want to split up that half an hour into 15-minute increments, go for it. But as long as we're spending a half an hour extra, more than what we may already be doing, what, what we may already be spending in the Word of God every day this week, God wants us to commit to him wholeheartedly. In Psalms 37.5, he says, Commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in him and he shall bring it to pass. God is up for the challenge. Those of us who are willing to make this commitment, those of us who are willing to take this challenge, to spend a half hour more in the word of God each day this week, if you are willing to make this commitment, raise your hands now and show God that you're willing to put forth that effort this week. God's up for the challenge. And God is going to answer that challenge if you are faithful in your commitment that you just made to him. And if you feel like you're not able to be faithful, pray. God will help you. God will help you to be faithful to that challenge, that commitment that you just made. Amen. Let's, um, let's go ahead and stand and sing hymn number 272. Give me the Bible. <laughs> 